a job. As many of you know, I'm a notary, so and I, I got certified for a signing agent. So every once in a while, I get notified that I can go and, and do a notary. And so today I I did, and it, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but, it, you know, it was easy, and it was from uh, not the normal channels. It was from uh, a co- old coworker of mine, and so they said that she just said that they're they're just good people. They're good Christian people. You know, will you help them out? I said, oh, okay. So I went, and it was one of those moments where it just felt like a divine appointment. I didn't know if I was there to help them or they were there to help me. I don't know. But I just kind of felt, as soon as I walked in their home, they had this beautiful, just really old Bible. It was one of those real big hardcover Bibles, and it was so pretty. And I just walked in, and I just said, this is so beautiful. Of course, we start talking about God and uh, and everything. And he said, well, then I don't have to ask the question I ask everybody. You know, have you invited Jesus into your life and, and all of that? And I said, absolutely, I have. And and we're just talking. And so um, he said, normally that Bible is open uh to a specific scripture for everybody that that comes in for all of our guests, so, you know we have it open to Proverbs three three through six, and I did what any Christian would do. I gave him that look of knowledge, like yes, I have the entire Bible memorized. I know exactly what scripture you're talking about. Did I know? Of course not. I don't have the entire Bible. I knew it was a, a very familiar Proverbs three five. For some reason, I knew that that was good, but I didn't know exactly what it had said. Um, and so afterwards, like I said, I I didn't get as much money as I thought I would get for it. I was a little bit disappointed, but I knew I was there for a reason. I had felt that. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe it was that scripture. Because why would he sit there and tell me the exact scriptures that it's normally open to? And I didn't know what it was. So I went um, and and looked, and lo and behold, Proverbs 3, 3 through 5, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it is pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross and by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so tonight I just want to talk to you about verse 18. We're going to talk about all of those scriptures, but the The key scripture there is verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. And so tonight I'm just going to be talking about 
how Jesus is the head, putting him first in our life, making him Lord of our life. Um, If we could, let's just say a quick word of prayer before we're seated. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight. And we pray, God, that you would touch our minds and our hearts to receive your word from you this morning. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give you all authority in our life, Lord Jesus, that, God, our steps would be ordered by you, Lord. We love you. We thank you this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We learn early in life to express ourselves in different ways. You know, some people, you know, they talk with their hands. A lot of times you'll see preachers that have like the cordless mics, you know, they're, they're moving their hands. But even, you know, children as they're young, they can't even speak yet, but they're communicating with their hands and, you know, Babies might clap their hands when they're happy or different things. So what's going on in our heart and our mind can be expressed through our bodies and through our hands. And so our our hands express the action of our hearts and our heads. As members of the body of Christ, we minister to others with our hands. But in order for our hands to effectively minister, uh, but in order for Yes, our hands to minister as the hands of Jesus to those in need. We must first transform our hearts and our heads. Our hearts must learn to love those who Jesus loves, and our minds need to learn to think of others the way that Jesus thinks of others. So I know that over the past few I guess, months or weeks, uh, pastor was doing this study on the fivefold ministry, and he had that nice visual of the body. Um, and so I want you to know that this does not contradict any of that. We're talking um, about God being the head, but but he's just breaking it down even more. The church is, is the hands, but specifically what he was talking about. But I'm going to actually go into some of that. But here, the book of Colossians It's all talking about the lordship of Christ because the Colossians was written by Apostle Paul while he was in prison. And the original purpose of this epistle to the Colossians was to edify the church and to warn believers of heresy that had arisen in their midst. Because of the heavy influence of Greek culture, many members of the church had been exposed to false teaching of Gnosticism, which is just a religious system that bases everything, basically emphasizes a salvation that comes from this higher knowledge, right? You have to just achieve this higher mystical knowledge in order to be saved. And so the theme of Colossians is the lordship of Jesus. It's a beautiful analogy of the body of Christ and Jesus Christ being the head of that body. As our human body is directed by our head, our thoughts, our reasoning, so is the church governed and directed by Jesus Christ. As the human body flows together in a unified manner, so the members of the church flow together in unity as God directs us. The church is not a democracy, right? It's not governed by our human natures, and we need to submit to the authority and the leadership of Jesus Christ in our lives. When God created the earth and all of its inhabitants, it belonged to him, right? The Bible says it was created by him and for him. And I am going to break that down even more. But as a part of his plan, he allowed humans and their wills to make certain decisions. But ultimately, he was and is in control. 
After the fall of Eden, sin entered the human race, and as a result, everyone is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We know that from Psalms 51. However, God loved us so much that he was manifested in the flesh. He came to earth through miraculous conception and birth to live and to die so that he could become our redeemer. As the sinless lamb, only he lived a perfect life and was able to redeem us from that sin. His blood was the price that he paid for our salvation. And so the scriptures that we read says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Later in Colossians uh, verse two, chapter 2 and 9, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Isaiah testified to the truth that Jesus is God in Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God is a spirit and is invisible to us unless he chooses to show himself. And in the Old Testament, there are moments where he chose to do that. It's something, it's called a theophany. Um, It's where... The, he revealed himself temporarily. It's a term that described God becoming visible in a temporary form. However, Jesus was and is more than a theophany. He is the image of the invisible God. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. He is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He is omnipotent, which means he has all power. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, overshadowed Mary, and she conceived, bearing a son whose name was Jesus. And Jesus did not have an earthly father. His father was the Almighty God. He was the Son of God, fully God and fully man. He is the only image of the one invisible God. John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was not a separate person or God, but was a plan in the mind of God before the world was created. Even before creation, God, through his foreknowledge, knew man would sin and would need a redeemer. Isn't that beautiful? That from the very beginning, God had a plan of redemption for us. Hallelujah. God's plan was that in the fullness of time, he would manifest himself in flesh and come to earth to live and die and become that redeemer. Later in that same chapter, John 1 and 14, it says, Then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the begotten, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we read, I'm going to break down a little bit, that when he talks about all things were created by him. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 that we read, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. In scripture, we learn how the culture of the day gave the firstborn preeminence over the other siblings, right? We learn that all throughout the Old Testament when, uh, you know, Jacob tried to steal the birthright from Esau, and several times, you know, when he switched his hands over 
Ephraim and Manasseh, all of these things. But we know the tradition was that the firstborn had preeminence over the other siblings. The firstborn son, in particular, was bestowed special power, authority, or honor and inheritance right. Well, Jesus was the firstborn of every creature, according to Colossians 1.15. The Apostle John took it even a step further as he wrote, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus did not pre-exist as the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, before his birth in Bethlehem. But as the Almighty God, he had always existed and created the world by himself. Jesus became the first and only man to conquer sin and is the firstborn of the family of God. He is the first to conquer death, so he is the first fruits of the resurrection. And all things were created for him. Since he created everything, he has authority over all things. Amen? He has authority over everything in heaven and in earth. He created the angels in heaven. He created the vast solar system, the sun and the moon and their cycles. They follow his instructions. The stars and the alignment of the planets follow his instructions. When he walked the earth, the winds and the seas obeyed his command. When he was handed the lunch from the lad, he blessed it and multiplied it in his hands so that the disciples could feed the multitude. From mud, he created new eyes for the blind man. When he encountered demon-possessed individuals, the devils became powerless because even they were subject to him. The apostle John told us that if all the works Jesus did were recorded, the world could not contain the books that could be written. Not only were all things created by him, but all things were created for him. He receives the glory for all creation. The beauty of the earth and its majesty, it brings him glory. The branches on the trees bring him glory. The birds that sing bring him glory. The streams and the waterfalls bring him glory. The wind that sighs bring him glory. The seashore brings him glory. From the birth of the church at Pentecost until now, Members of the church bring him glory by daily living above sin. When we pray, we give him glory. When we sing, we bring him glory. And when we worship, we bring him glory. When we witness, we bring him glory. When we testify, we bring him glory. And when a person is born again of the water and of the spirit, hallelujah, it brings him glory. Hallelujah. All things were created by him and for him. That includes us, amen? Amen. A person, you know, our, our body, we could go into all of the anatomy. We know it's, it's, it's such a beautiful system that God has created. Our heart and our veins and our, all these different systems, how the body works all together. When a person's healthy, these various systems, they work in unity. And it's no wonder that the psalmist said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In the same way, God has built the church to function as a life-giving and life-sustaining entity. The various parts are to work together in unity, assisting one another and helping one another to grow and develop into a healthy body, the body of Christ. We as a church 
each one of us are members of this body. And when we work together in unity under the authority of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, we're functioning as God had intended us to function. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we are his body. And to function, we as members must be connected to the head. As our human body can only function when the heart is pumping blood through our body, so must we remain connected to the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. In addition, God has provided the five-fold ministry to instruct the members of his body so that we know how to live pleasing to God. And that's where Pastor Seti comes in about the being the hands and the feet and the heart and the mouth of God. All of those things because when the body, when us as the body are working together in unity under the head of Jesus Christ, we are doing what God has called us to do. Through prayer, we communicate with Jesus Christ, the head of the body, and we receive instructions from him. We know prayer, it's not a monologue, right? It's a conversation. As we commune with God and he speaks to us, he will never violate his word, so what he speaks to us will always be confirmed by his word. We are blessed to have Bible so that we can read the word of God and understand what thus saith the Lord. If we love him, we will want to keep his commandments and walk pleasing unto God. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein, with thanksgiving. It is the will of God that we grow into spiritual maturity. We came to God as a newborn babes and needed the milk of the word. And as time goes by, the experience, experiences and church attendance, we grow in knowledge and understanding. We are rooted and built up in him and press forward towards that spiritual maturity. As we are rooted and built up in Christ, we are not as vulnerable to the contrary winds that could have damaged us badly um, in our spiritual infancy. It's important that if we want to be the body of Christ, we've, we've got to know the head, right? We've got to be connected to the head through his word, through prayer, through growing in our knowledge and spiritual maturity. It's essential that we always submit to the authority and the leadership of Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful thing that he came to become one of us. 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the word, received up in the glory. As a man... Jesus was born as a baby, but as God, he existed from eternity. 
As a man, he was tempted by the devil, but as God, he cast out devils. As a man, he hungered, but as God, he fed the multitude with the boys' lunch. As a man, he grew weary in the boat with the disciples, but as God, he rose and calmed the waters. As a man, he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and wept, but as God, he said, Lazarus, come forth and raise Lazarus from the dead. Hallelujah. Are you thankful that he came and robed himself in flesh? Hallelujah. That he might become our redeemer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He became one of us so he could become the sacrifice to purchase our redemption. Since he was sinless, he could be the perfect lamb of God that paid the price to redeem fallen man. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He was God manifested in the flesh. He came to live and to die on Calvary to pay the price of redemption for us. He purchased the church with his own blood. He purchased the church with his own blood. He is the head of the body, and we are the members of his body through that new birth experience. When we are born again, we become a part of this beautiful body of believers. And the psalmist says it beautifully in Psalm 133 and 1. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We can never accomplish the purpose of God without unity. The task is too great to be done without it. During a particular conference, a message in tongues and interpretation was given in which God said, I have no small or large churches, but I have but one church. This message from the Lord is something we must realize. And I know sometimes we get discouraged by our size. I know sometimes we get discouraged when, you know, the attendance isn't what we want it to be. But we're a part of the body. The body, there is one body. There is one church. Hallelujah. We are a part of that body through salvation. Hallelujah. It's important for us to know that Christ is not divided. He has one body in the earth. We have a common purpose, faith, experience, and expectancy. And the message of truth unifies us. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Don't misunderstand. Unity is not sameness, right? Diversity does not have to be division. Each of us is unique in individuality and methods, but we are unified by being members of the body of Christ. He didn't call us lively bricks, but lively stones, because no two stones are are the same, but they are fitly framed into the building with mortar. We are fitly framed in the body. We abide within our calling and use our talents for the glory of God. And we are binded together by the love of God. We are united in purpose to fulfill the will and purpose of God, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
And I just had to throw it in there. Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. When we receive his spirit and we become the body of Christ, we receive power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, as the body of Christ, must be connected to the head. We must be the hands of God. Hallelujah. Or the feet or the mouth or the heart. Hallelujah. Whatever part we find ourselves in. But we are a part of the body of Christ. Because God came and he gave the ultimate sacrifice. He purchased the church with his own blood. Hallelujah. And what a beautiful thing that on the day of Pentecost, the church was born and the application of the gospel message was preached. The church is not a building made with hands. It is made up of living people who have embraced the plan of salvation as found in the book of Acts. The church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of the church. And since he is the head of the church, we submit to his authority and leadership. It's the plan of God for every member of the body of Christ to witness, to pray, to minister to a dying world. The plan of salvation is the only hope for eternity. Hallelujah. And if we could stand tonight, I just want us to think on this. Is is God the Lord of your life? Hallelujah. I know there's a lot of influences out there. I know that you can watch YouTube all day long and you can get all of these different ideas or you can scroll social media or you can talk to your friends or you can talk different things. Hallelujah. But is God the Lord of your life? Does he rule the decisions that we make? Hallelujah. Are we serving his purpose? Are we truly a member of the body of Christ? Hallelujah. And if we could, it could be our prayer, Lord Jesus. God, I make you the head of my life. Lord Jesus, help us to be the hands. Hallelujah. Jesus, in this new year, you have given us a fresh opportunity, oh God a fresh opportunity, hallelujah, to read your word more than ever before, to pray more than ever before, to fast more than we did last year, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, we need you, God. Lord, we know that our days here on earth are numbered, Jesus. Let our steps be ordered by the Lord. Hallelujah, if you feel to come to the altar, you are welcome to come. Hallelujah, Jesus, we pray, God. Hallelujah, that we will not take your sacrifice for granted. 